If you got your Bible, let's let's turn to uh, turn to uh, Mark chapter nine, and I'm going to get there in just a minute. If you remember, if you were able to watch on Facebook, those that weren't or or were here last week, my title last week was "Practice Your Faith," but this week it's "Just Have Faith." That's why I think it's interesting the songs you picked. Because we're going to look at instances or, or times when Jesus absolutely ministered to people and he challenged them where their faith is concerned. I want to just remind you last week, we used the uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24. And if you're taking notes, I always encourage you to bring a Bible, bring a notepad, write things down. You never know when the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you something that can transform your life. And, and fortunately, we've got things recorded where you can go back. But man, what if, what if you forgot and God was speaking something to you right in that moment so I challenge you all the time with uh, bringing your Bible getting your notepad and writing stuff down as the Holy Spirit leads you so uh, somewhere in my Bible is Mark chapter 9 I know it's in here Uh, I'll find it see last week I talked about uh, 1 Corinthians 9 24 and we won't turn there I just wanted you to write it down because I wanted you to to think about the the thought that the Apostle Paul was challenging him and he was using the illustration of a race. And he said, everyone runs the race. And he said, they run, but only one gets the prize. Or many run the race, but only one gets the prize. And he goes through a list of things in those, first, in those verses right there. And one was, he says, if you're going to run the race, run to win. That's why I was challenging you last week with, your, with, your, uh, with faith and uh, living the life or putting to practice faith. But... Here, uh, he continued on, and he challenged him. He says, don't they train specifically? Don't they take a a certain way, a certain certain things that they do, and and they discipline their body? And he goes through these things that they do. And one of the things he said was, don't wander around aimlessly. Don't, Don't approach your walk with God aimlessly. And so that was some of the things we talked about, being intentional. And uh, I, I challenged you with three points last week, how to live by faith. One, one, we have to choose to do that. See, because you can either live by your senses, you can live by what you see, you can live by, I'm just real, I'm just being real, and you can be limited by that. Or you can choose to say, God, I'm going to trust you to carry me on, and this thing is bothering me. I, mm, I'll get it figured out here in a little bit. I'm trying to switch mics. The second thing is we've got to evaluate our life and be willing to change. You know, one of the things I know about faith is, is that uh, it requires us to do some things. And to live by faith is, is, a, is a choice. And it's also, <clears throat> we have to evaluate, God, what in my life do I need to do differently in order to, to have faith at, my faith at the highest level? And then the third thing we talked about last week was to, that we need to see this Bible as an owner's manual. If, if I'll see this Bible as an owner's manual, it, it changes everything about how I read it. I'm not reading it out of trying to be good enough. I'm not reading it out of, well, it makes me feel better. I'm not reading it out of doing my penance, so hopefully I, I you know, do good when I get to heaven. No, I'm, I'm reading it because it's, it's an owner's manual showing me what I need to do to be the best God would have me to be. And so in Romans chapter, or not Romans, uh, Mark chapter 9... I want you to turn, look at uh, verse 17. It says, a man in the crowd answered. Now, what was happening, the disciples and, and some of these people had, had tried to cast a demon out. 
And uh, they were arguing and, and, and having a big fuss. And Jesus walks up and he said, what are you arguing about? And in verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my, I brought, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. When, whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground and he foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, one thing I want to note here is that I like the way this says that the spirit that possessed him, it robbed him of speech. Just, just something to think about. Whenever the devil comes, uh, uh, John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this or not. This thing is, will not stay in place. We'll mess with it uh, next time. And, uh, well, well, I'll try to keep going here. But <clears throat> he says, he says it robbed him of, of his speech. You know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's, he's coming to rob us of something. He wants to rob us of our faith. He wants to rob us of our joy. He wants to rob us of our peace. He wants to rob us of to try to talk us out of what, what the Bible's promised us. See, when I look at this book and I understand that it's, God's, it's an owner's manual for me, it's my instruction book, it's full of God's promises. Somebody asked me if, if, uh, if the earlys, we, we, they weren't here uh, when I got here, and I said, I guess they're coming. They're for sure coming. I mean, you know, we knew they were, obviously. But I, I, somebody asked me, well, can you fill in? And I said, oh, yeah, I could preach for an hour and a half. I, I, I won't run out of notes tonight. I can promise you. We'll just find a place to land the plane. We'll just quit. But, but here is the, the devil loves to rob. He loves to steal. He loves to kill. He loves to destroy. But what we want to make sure and do is not give up ground. To the devil, we want to make sure and hold fast, as the Apostle Paul said, our our confession. Now, he goes on and he says in verse nineteen, "You unbelieving generation," Jesus replied, "How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me." You know, he kind of gets a little bit irritated here. They had just been to the. Uh, Mount of Transfiguration. They just had a, a spiritual moment that was amazing. Peter, James, and John are right there with him. And here's this man bringing this boy and, and wants this demon cast out. And they, by this time, had been able to and been begun to, to do some of the works of the ministry, works of Jesus, and, and they're not able to do it. And, and Jesus' response was, You faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? Now, I mean, he's scolding his disciples, but it's not just his disciples that were faithless. Now, notice, because you'll, you'll notice here in verse 20, he says, So they brought him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foamed at the mouth. And verse 21 says, Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It was... It has often thrown him into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now the man just revealed his level of faith right there. He said, if you can. He, he came to him wanting some answers, wanting a solution. But he came to him and he said, if you can. Jesus, I love the answer 
He says, if you can. Got a question mark there. It's like, what? <laughs> if, if you can. See, see he, he immediately responds with that question mark. What do you mean, if I can? And then he, he goes on. He says, everything or all things, some translations say, everything is possible for one who believes. Now, let me just ask you for, a question, for, for, for the sake of a question. <clears throat> what are you believing in? Or what's required? He says anything or everything or all things are possible to him who believes. But what is it that we believe in that provides the all things, the everything, the anything? See, he's not just referring to anything. He's referring to God. He's re referring to the one who is the source of of all things and can provide all things and make possible anything and all things. And so I know that goes without saying, but yet saying it makes me look more intently on God where my faith is concerned and who my answer is and who's going to provide for me. See, he says, if you can, everything is possible for him or the one who believes. And immediately the, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Then there's a semicolon. I do believe. See, something happened in his heart. Before, he's questioning. He says, if you can. Then Jesus spoke a word. He said, if you believe, all things are possible. All things are possible. See, when I say that, does that begin to ignite some faith on the inside of you? Does that, does that stir you? See, this man who came with hope, but yet came with doubt, if you can, Jesus said, if I can, all things. See, I believe Jesus didn't just say, well, you know, I think all, you know, all things are possible. Now, you got to think about the demeanor of Jesus. He's just been at the, uh, uh, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, just experienced a tremendous spiritual thing, and he's the son of God, and he prays regularly, and he's bold in faith, and he's seen God do this before. I mean, there was obviously no faithless ounce of faithlessness in him, but yet he's in this bold position. I'm pretty sure his response was not, well, I don't know, let's, let's see. No, it was, if I can, if you believe, all things are, all things. I'm pretty sure he, all things are possible. See, if... If that is spoken in that right way, see, what, what took place right there was a rhema word. See, if we understand the difference in just a common me reading the word and it being spoken with life so that it comes alive, that's what makes all the difference in the world. See, many of you heard for years. How many of you have been, been, got saved later on in life? See? You'd heard it. Was, was, did you get saved the first time you heard it? No. You heard it till you were sick of it. Grandma talked about it. Mama wore you out. And, you know, probably, I mean, you know, some of you. you. You heard it from some friend you really didn't want to listen to. You heard it from, you know, somebody. And then all of a sudden, you heard it. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. That word, what? It finally came alive. And some of you that are watching, you may be checking cattle, driving a tractor, you know, working ground, baling hay, whatever you're doing. And this may be the day you hear it in a way you've never heard it before. But I tell you, 
that that's what took place. He said all things are possible. And all of a sudden that man's, the lid came off his life. He was in doubt, wanting, desiring it, but not sure, not certain. And all of a sudden he became certain. And he said, I do believe. But then look what happened. All of a sudden he said, help, my, help me overcome my unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. All of a sudden, reality came back. All of a sudden, I, you know, I just am picturing this as probably what took place was all of a sudden, his remember, his son's still on the ground rolling around foaming at the mouth. He probably, dealing with this, and Jesus, and Jesus looks at him. Jesus might have even grabbed him by the coat or the, the, his, his, his sleeve, turned him towards him, and spoke to him. All things are possible for those who believe. But then all of a sudden, the circumstance, the boy, the noise, the crowd, the, 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 the senses, reality, everything that brought the doubt in the first place came back. And he said, but help my unbelief. Why? Unbelief's coming back. See, living by faith and walking by that level of faith and that understanding, it, it, is a, it is a process of growth. But when we hear the Word of God come to us in a way that's living and alive, it removes that doubt. See, there's, there's that word rhema in the Greek, and it means a living word or a now word. I heard it defined as a specific word to a specific person in a specific situation. That stuck with me. I heard that in probably, I don't know, the late 80s. But I, 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 that stuck with me. Okay, so when God shows up on your scene, in your life as, a, as a, an adult who's heard the word all along, and then all of a sudden you hear, Jesus loves you. But it, it's not the same as it always was. Jesus forgave you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants to provide you new life. That all begins to change. All of a sudden, it becomes a new thing. And he and, and, and this is, he says, help my unbelief. And Jesus saw the crowd running and, and he rebuked the spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. Now notice this, the, the, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked as like a corpse so that many said he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not drive him out? And he replied, this kind comes out only by prayer. And some translations add fasting. Now the reason they don't all say prayer and fasting is because some manuscripts that they use to, to, don't have fasting in them. But you know what? That's not a big deal to me. It used to bother me. That's why I didn't like the NIV. You know, because King James says, you know, prayer and fasting. But, but just think about it from this respect. What does prayer represent? I define it. I, I've, I've said this a lot. I haven't taught a lot on, uh, a lengthy on, in prayer here. But uh, when I teach on prayer, I don't like the definition. Of, it's talking to God. I don't like that definition because I don't think it's complete. This doggone thing. Whew, I'm going to get this figured out before. We're going to get this really fastened down. It feels like it's moving all over the place. But 
whenever I look at prayer, what is it? Spending time with God. Prayer is spending time in fellowship, exchange, exchanging information. It is talking to God. It's just more than that. You know, my, my prayer time in the mornings at 6.30 in the morning that I do with, with everybody else, or if I do this on my own, I don't only pray with kneeling with my eyes. I heard somebody tell me that you, you can't pray if you're not kneeling. Whew, I'm glad that ain't true because, you know, I don't, ha I mean, I guess I, I just have to make time to pray. I think there is a value in reverence and surrendering. I mean, I remember one time standing before God in, in, in prayer, in, and I was actually in a church in praise and worship, and I'm just kind of calling out to God, and I'm wondering what the deal was. And he, he said to me in this, he said, you're, you're standing before me when you need to kneel. Okay, now, so I'm, I'm, I'm giving it up to there are times that we need to be obedient to kneel before God because there's that, that submission. Basically, what he was dealing with me was with some pride at the time. This was 25 years ago. Uh, not that he still doesn't have to jerk slack out of me once in a while, uh, like all of us. But, you know, it was, a, it was a, a situation, prayer, spending time with God, fellowshipping, exchanging, listening to him. But at, even as I go through my day, I continue to pray. I'm driving in between phone calls. I'm checking cattle. I'm, I'm working, doing whatever. I'm praying. I'm still interacting with, fellowshipping with God. It, he says, Bible says, pray without ceasing. That means I don't just spend my one little time. Now, I will say this. A specific time set aside just for you and him is very, very important. My wife and I would not have a good marriage, a good relationship, a good friendship if we did not spend specific time doing exactly what she wants on a regular basis. Yeah, it has to be what she wants. I mean, time is one of her, one of her love languages. And quality time. And so we spend time doing what she... We, we, watch, we watch a movie or we watch a series or we watch something that you know, she chooses. We don't get to watch John Wayne. You know, we don't get to watch, you know, uh, good, good war movies. I mean, I got to watch all that on my own time. No, no hunting shows, you know. I'm wanting to watch this one on the Chicago Bulls that I've got all that recorded and I'm trying to get through the last dance, you know, some of you sports guys. You know, she says, I don't really want to watch that. See, quality time spent with her is time spent the way she values it. See, I can, God never leaves us nor forsakes us but you know there's times whenever i need to stop me and god god will always go with me but there's times i need to go to him do it his way spend time with him and i'm gonna tell you what you want to go from just a a, a a a casual relationship with god to having a close walk with god you begin to set aside that quality time for him one of his love languages must be uh, quality time. <laughs> anyway, you know, uh, uh, it's vitally important. So he says, though, he says, this kind, these results, back to the scripture, these results come with prayer and fasting. Now, uh, if, you, if you understand fasting, the value of fasting, and I won't spend much time on this, but the value of fasting is that set aside something to tell your flesh you don't rule. It's, it's that ability to take my flesh and say, nope, you're not determining when I get up. You're not determining when I lay down. You're not determining what I eat. You're not determining what I'm going to watch. 
I'm, you, I'm, so when you fast something, you're setting aside food or, or uh, social media or time or, or uh, on the TV or whatever it be, something that's pulling you away from God or something that you love that you would almost put up there at the same place of God, that's a good thing to fast. And for a period of time, you abstain from that and you say, God, I'm not letting anything get between me and you. And so that's a preparedness. That's, that's a, it's an ability to be, be prepared. That's a part of that. But spending that time in prayer, you know, that's one of the things you're doing is you're training your spirit man to be in ascendance, ascendancy and you're training your flesh, your soul, that, that, that part of us that gets in God's way. <laughs> we're, we're training it to, to, be, to, to be in the back seat. And, you know, sit down and shut up. Teaching our, our, our mind that wants to run off in every fleshly thing, or our mind, or our mouth, or our, our you know, just getting those things under control. This one comes out. Now, the other thing I want you to understand about this is that uh, it comes out at, by prayer it, because only through that intimate time with God do you develop enough faith, do we develop enough faith to be able to do and instruction to be able to do some of those things. See, the, the, one of the reasons they didn't get the demon cast out was because they, they really didn't know how to do it. They didn't understand who they were, what their authority was, what, what they, they uh, had the ability to do. And so that would come through prayer. And basically he's saying, just sit back and learn. Live and learn, and you'll, you'll get through it. So... Um, <clears throat> Now I want to I want to check my notes here. Uh, the disciples had faith, but it was mingled with fear. the The disciples, the Father, all of them had faith. But my first point: if we're going to have ju just faith, if we're going to walk by faith, if we're going to live by faith. We got to understand that we need to have faith only, and not it and allow it to be mingled with the doubt and the fear and the questions, and the limitations, and that'll come through us spending more time with God. How do I... Uh, let me ask you this. How often do you come to God with a faithless request? I hope not often, but how many times do we, are we like this father in the beginning, and we say, if you could, could you fix this problem? And, and, and Jesus would respond, or God would respond in that, in that prayer time, what do you mean, if I could? But here's, here's what the time with prayer will do, is it'll allow Him to speak the word that we need to base our prayer or, and our faith off of. Giving us the ability to understand how to come before God. You know, uh, back there in years whenever we, we, were, we were raising kids and trying to figure out how to raise certain, certain different personalities out of the four kids. They're all different. Three of them being girls, they're still all different. You know, I thought I got the first girl kind of, she was five years ahead of the, the, other, the, uh, the second one. And, and uh, we, we'd gone back to college and stuff, kind of delayed the second. We had a plan and it kind of messed the plan up. So, but so I thought, well, you know, she's five, and we got, we got her going really good. And, and then Cassidy came along, and, and she's an entirely different kid. See, what I had to do, go back to the drawing board, go back to praying, go back to seeking God. And so I'd go before God with, with whatever we were needing. We would go before God soon. And, I, and, and then he'd begin to instruct us in, in the way that we should pray. The way that, and as they got into teenage years, as they, as they grew up, how to, how to direct them. That's just one example. 
But how do we navigate age? How do we navigate all the other things that come along in the seasons of change? God continues to direct us. And so, uh, but, but note that, that Jesus responded with a rhema word. Uh, he responded with a living word for that moment. All things are possible. What did that do? That removed the doubt. It, it changed his entire situation. It changed that father's approach. He immediately responded from his, from his gut that said, yes, I believe. And then his senses all went, whoop, wait a minute. You've got a foaming mouth kid on the ground flopping around over here. Isn't that right? I mean, how many times do we trust God? We, we give money in the offering bucket, trusting God. God meets all my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He opens the window of heaven, pours out blessings that I cannot contain for the tither. Uh, Father, I thank you that I'm trusting you to give. I'm giving, therefore it's given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I'm taking those scriptures, those promises of God, and I got my faith built up, and I'm standing on the Word of God, and then I open my checkbook. It's like the foaming mouth kid flopping around on the ground. Where does my faith go? Well, it, it needs to go back to the Scripture, the Word. You know, I'll I tell you what, there's been times whenever, whenever we've looked at a situation and we've said, there's no way. And then we remember God saying, all things are possible to him who believes. You get a doctor's report, they say, it's not good. All things are possible to him who believes. I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to take God at his word. And so we have to make sure that we have faith only. Don't let it be mingled. Don't, don't let this, the seed get crossbred. Don't, don't let the, the, the other things begin to interfere with that. Uh, let's, let's turn over to Mark chapter 5. We're going to talk about the same thing, and we're, going to, and we're probably going to have to jump on to points 2 and 3 next week. Mark uh, chapter 5. And you're familiar with this one, but golly, this is so good. Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came to Jesus with this problem. He said in verse, uh, verse 21, So when Jesus crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him uh, while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue's leaders named Jairus came, and, he, and he, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please Come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now, during the, the, the trip, the woman with the issue of blood comes in, the crowd comes in, he heals her. And I don't, want, I don't have time to get into that, that story. I love that story. But I taught that, I think, out of this last time. But, but zip ahead to verse 33, 34. He said to her, now the power went out of her uh, out of Jesus into her. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And while he's talking to her, now I, I, I mentioned just that much for you to see something. Her faith healed her. Her, her approach enabled her to receive her healing. And here is Jesus in this group of people in the midst of while he's talking to her, J. Iris is still beside him. And all of a sudden he hears, notice verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. They said. They said. 
Your brother, or why bother the teacher anymore? So Jesus is dealing, telling, encouraging the woman. I mean, she's just been miraculously healed. Twelve years of this issue. Jesus heals her. He hears, overhears the conversation on the side. That, that They came and they said, don't bother him. Your daughter's dead. It's over. Hope is gone. And I believe Jesus, it says he heard what they said. Notice verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Do not fear, just believe. See, if we're going to walk by faith, and, and this is the way I pictured this this afternoon, I've never taught it this way before, but here's Jesus dealing with this issue and celebrating. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, Jesus didn't take this light. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, he loves this as well. Man, here he he, this miracle's produced, and he hears them saying, it's over, no way, what you needed, it's too late, can't happen. And Jesus wheels around. And I'm pretty sure Jesus is standing here, Jay Ivers is standing here, and everything, his face went white, everything is hopeless, his circumstance, his situation, his report was not good. He's probably tucked his head, bowed his head. He's probably about to walk off, thinking it's over. And I believe Jesus grabbed him. I just got this, this, this picture. Jesus didn't go, oh, shucks. We weren't fast enough. If I hadn't had to stop, with, man, I'm sorry. No, he grabs him and he jerks him to him. And he's, he's like... You, look at me. See, that's the way we have to be with the Word of God sometimes. Because when we're caught up in this world, and this, where we're at right now, I mean, it's wild. I, I don't, is anybody, did anybody expect this? No, pretty sure we didn't. Does anybody know exactly where this is all going? No. <laughs> right. But here's the thing, we got to believe, and, and, and he, he grabs him, and he jerks, his, jerks the slack out of him. Boy, I love that. See, there's a lot of times i got to jerk the slack out of me. Because maybe Sue doesn't actually know she'll jerk the slack out of me. We give each other permission. We decided when we began this walk, we were going to challenge one another. Don't be doubting. I can tell you story after story. There was, there was one time the, the property we're on, we thought it was about five acres in a house, and we thought, wow, we could probably afford that. That's awesome. And then we found out it was 47 acres, and the first initial response that Sue, I get to pick on her this time because it was her that let doubt slip in. She goes, well, shoot, we can't, we can't buy that. And I did just about like i picturing Jesus. I, I didn't grab her like that, but I, I went, wait a minute. What God do we serve? See, it rose up on the inside of me. That's the value of finding somebody to believe God with. But, but Jesus reeled him in, jerked the slack out of him and says, No, you believe. Only believe. Don't let fear in. Don't give attention to what they said. Hold fast to what you've already declared. Notice what he Remember what he said. He said, You come lay your hands on him and her and she will live. He set his faith. And Jesus said, yes, Jesus was in agreement. Jesus was on the way. 
And all he had to do at that point was continue on believing God. He could have said, sorry, Master, we're too late. But Jesus grabs him, gets his attention, looked him in the eye. Do not fear, only believe. Now notice he goes on. And in verse 37 it says, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loud. And he went in and he said to them, Why is all this commotion? What's all this wailing? This child is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. See, sometimes you, you pray and you believe and you expect. That's why you just don't tell everybody what you're believing for. Some people aren't going to agree with you. You're going to say, you know what, I'm believing for a miracle. Some people say, well, I know somebody that believed for a miracle and they died. I know somebody that believed for a miracle and they, they went broke. Well, you know what, so do I. But I'm going to jump in there and I'm going to believe. Amen. I'm going to try to, uh, I'm not going to try, I'm going to trust God. Now, Notice he says, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And he went, all, he went in where the child was and he took her by the hand. Oh, what did, what did dad say to do? Come lay your hands on her. See, the, fa the father, the dad had his heart set, had his faith established, had it pictured. I'm going to go to that point. Don't you imagine he absolutely saw Jesus doing what he asked Jesus to do? Come lay your hands on him. That, that was specific. I, I believe he had that ability to trust God to that point. See, there's such a power in us understanding and listening to the word of God. See, that's what happens when the word of God becomes alive on the inside of us and begins to transform and change us and something is different. We read this book and all of a sudden we see ourselves in those pages. We see Jesus doing and saying the things that he did and said. We, we, we set aside or lay aside the, the, the things that, that, are, that, are, that are holding us back and we choose to trust God in the midst of what is totally unpredictable. I, I would have lost a bet if I'd have been betting that we were going to be still doing this. Social distancing and, and just now getting back to church. We got to look at it as, you know, February 25th or 8th. Or, I mean, you know, all, the whole month of March and into April. Actually, the whole, I mean, it's, this is nuts. But you know what? God didn't fall off the throne. And you know what? For those who have lost their jobs, or there's so much financial uncertainty, or possibly illnesses and sickness and things that have come up as a result of, of this virus, or, or even things that weren't, didn't even have anything to do with it, we've got to trust God. He raised this child up. He took God at His word. He made that choice to say, I'm not going to fear. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to trust God. And settling on His Word. You know, uh, finding out, seeking, that's where that time of prayer is so important. God, what do I pray? How do I pray? How do I trust you? I'll ask people, what do you want me to pray for? They got sickness, illness, whatever. Pray the, pray the surgery goes well. All right. 
Let's pray. Let's believe God. Pray this medication doesn't give me side effects. Going through chemo or whatever. All right, let's believe God. We can do that. We're not against using doctor's medication, but man, we don't want to limit it to that. I want to see God do something even greater. You know what my prayer has been, and I'll close with this. Y'all, you, you can get, get ready, but you don't have to come right now. But, but you know, one of the things that we've prayed over this virus situation is that there'd be people who are isolated, separated, on their own, crying out to God, and somehow God send the right person to speak the right word to them so that they, for the first time, hear God say, they heard it, but they didn't hear it. But that they hear and receive God say, say, I love you. I love you. I died for you. And man, what a, what a powerful thing. What is God saying about your circumstance or your situation? What is God saying? How can he, he direct you? You know, as we, get re- as we, as we close today, and, I, and, and I'll continue this later on. I've got two more points, several more fun scripts. I love getting into these these verses of scripture because I love to see Jesus do great things speaking the word and people's lives transformed because it still happens today but you know what it all begins with a a decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life you know I know most of the folks here and I assume that they're all born again but I don't know everybody that's watching that's one of the phenomenal things about this we're seeing more and more people watching the videos watching the the Facebook lives watching the different uh, services and I just want you to know that we love you and Jesus loves you, and that if you choose today to call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. All you have to do is simply ask, God, forgive me. Jesus, be my Lord. Come into my heart. You can be born again. Let's pray together. Father, we, we, we thank and we praise you that you've given us the ability to, to walk by faith, and it all begins with believing in a God we can't see. People say, well, why would you believe in a God you can't see? And yet they'll believe in a virus they can't see. They'll believe in a whole lot of things they can't see. But Lord God, it's not about us not seeing, but it's about us coming to the knowledge that you are real, that you really did die for our sins, and you really do love us enough to to pay for the price for those sins. And Lord, all we got to do is accept you as, as a personal Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that... If there's anybody listening, anybody watching, now or later on, that if they choose to ask the Lord to forgive them of their sin, to invite Him to be the Lord of their life, then they can be saved. Father, we just pray that they make contact with me, contact with someone that they know that's a believer, contact with a, a pastor that they know, that they would meet with them, so they can be helped on that, on that walk in that new relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, we thank and praise you for those that are calling upon you tonight. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.